time now for Vikings Fan Line on the Minnesota Vikings Radio Network. Your chance to talk about today's game with the Vikings broadcast team. Add to the conversation on Vikings Fan Line by calling 651-989-KFAN or toll-free 1-800-320-5326. Now it's your reaction to all the action. Vikings Fan Line. Here's KFAN's Ron Johnson and Corey Cove. So, Ron, when uh, Kirk Cousins launches that bomb to Adam Thielen and then Thielen gets tackled at the, uh, what, one or two? Yep. I said to myself, man, it would have been such a uh, an awesome moment for Kirk to just dagger the Saints, temporarily silence the uh, the Kirk Cousins haters. And then it worked out because uh, the running game got stopped a couple of times. We actually lost a couple of yards. And then he hits uh, Rudolph anyway for the game winner. 26-20, to 20, the Vikings walk off the New Orleans Saints and they walk on to the San Francisco 49ers next Saturday afternoon. Dead on. I mean, I was thinking the same thing. If, if Adam Thielen, and just I think Adam Thielen as well, though, to make that catch and get in the end zone after fumbling to start the game, that is true redemption right there. Even though he didn't get in the end zone, he made a huge catch. But if he could have gotten to the end zone and then walked off the field, that's another one because I saw Twitter blowing up when he fumbled and people were pissed like, oh, he's been out this long and this is what we get when he gets back and blah, blah, and he looks washed up, he looks tired. And then he comes back, has a great game, 129 yards. And so, yeah. But, yeah, Kirk Cousins uh, to Rudolph, that's a kid's dream, what Rudolph got to do. That's catching the ball to end the game and walk off a field. Every kid did that as a kid that played football, I think. If they had overturned that for offensive pass Oh, it would have erupted. Football in Minnesota is over. Football in general would have been right. over. We'd like, be burning U.S. Bank Stadium just for fun to the ground. The best like, thing Are to... you kidding me? After all the ones that we saw not – Turned over exactly. all season long. If they would have turned that one over, by the way, and I love the shots on Fox of the Saints, um, you know, doing the whole flag. Yeah, yep, that's a yep, flag, yep. and and the the Saints fans being like, no, 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 the game's not over. Game's not the game is over. Oh yeah, that is not offensive pass interference. Let's move on with our lives. That's chicken fighting. That's that two guys awful. doing that all game. Right. The fact that you didn't throw the one earlier when the guy grabbed Rudy, and then you're going to turn around and possibly do that, right. and, and they got screwed in a Packers game because of, of a review from New York. There's no way you do that. 651-989-5326 or 1-800-320-5326. Ron Johnson and uh, myself for the next couple of hours talking about the Vikings' uh, upset win over the New Orleans Saints. And they were, what, seven, seven-and-a-half-point dogs, the Vikings were. Basically eight, yeah. But let's be honest. Most of this game was dominated by the Vikings, right? Yeah. Drew Brees oh, yeah. never seemed to be uh, uh, in stride, never got that rhythm going. They were most explosive with uh, the kick game yep. and Taysom Hill. That was really the Saints' weapons for most of the game until that final drive where they were marching. We can get into the final 30 seconds of the Saints uh, later. I, don't, I still don't understand what the hell they were doing, waving the white flag and just going for the field goal, but that's a whole other issue. But uh, let's talk about the Vikings' dominance with the, uh, the callers. Let's go to Nick in New Ulm. We'll start with you. Hi, Nick. Hey, what's going on, guys? How you doing? Doing well. Uh, yeah, you guys talk about the dominance from the start of the game. Let's talk about the dominance of that offensive line. How about that? I mean, Kirk Cousins had all the time in the world to run the play action. It helped a lot that Dalvin Cook was back in there. And I honestly think that if that offensive line hadn't showed up the way they did today, this is a whole other phone conversation we're having right now, and it's not going to be a good one. So, yeah, let's talk about the offensive line and how well they did, and I'll sit back and listen. Sure. All right, thanks for the call. Well, again, we've always said Kirk is a guy that you give him time, he can make all the throws. Yep. And I thought in the passing game, for the most part today, they did a really good job. You know, Musk pointed something out to me, Ron, really early in the game, and then we tracked it the rest of the way. 
Uh, every time they ran Dalvin to the left, mm-hmm. he ran right into a wall or lost yards. Every time they ran to the right, they had success. Yeah. And even late in the game, even in overtime. Yeah. It's, I've said that, though. They ran left, and they got stopped. Yeah, but all season has been that way. If you look at their runs off tackle right, and I have the stat, and after the next commercial break, I'll pull it up. It's in my notebook. But when they ran to the right, I think they were like sixth in the NFL, something like that, like fourth or sixth. When they ran to the left, they were like 15th, and that's off tackle. That's not between the between the guards or center and all that. I'm speaking primarily off tackle between the tight ends because they, they track all this stuff. And so when we go down and we track and we watch film – you can track those numbers. Off tackle to the right, he was fourth or sixth at one point in the NFL. To the left was up. So clearly, your left tackles are your, one of your better pass protectors. But in the run game, the stretch run of Brian O'Neill and his athleticism, his ability to get the defensive end moving, and his cleverness to move the DN to where, because that's all Ad- or, uh, Cook is reading. He's reading the DN in the zone run. If the DN goes up, he's underneath him. If the DN goes in, he's on top. I think Brian O'Neill does a great job of just manipulating so that Dalvin can get a clear picture, whereas on the left side, it's maybe not that clear, and Dalvin doesn't feel like he has a two-way go. He kind of feels like, dude, you got to do something. You got to get this guy either turned in or out. You can't just get stonewalled, and that's the difference in the two sides, and clearly it works. That's also why you see boot left. The right run game is great. So he boots left a ton because people are scared of when they run right. Other coaches have the same access to the stats I'm looking at in the same film. So they see the same thing, like, crap, when Dalvin Cook's going to the right, we got to we gotta pursue because he's going to beat us. What happens? Play action, Kirk runs to the left. Kirk was one of the top quarterbacks in the NFL rolling left, throwing left. They started the game with those two uh, Exactly, legs, and that's uh, why we didn't see that well. in the Packers game or the Bears game. We bought that up. Without Dalvin Cook, you can't run those plays because yeah. nobody's scared. They are scared of Dalvin Cook, and we see why. Let's go to Jake in Monticello. Hi, Jake. Hey, how's it going, guys? Good. Uh, just, uh, I just wanted to, I just wanted to say uh, that I think this was a breakout game for Kirk Cousins. I think that a lot of the pressure is off, and um, I just wanted to uh, hear your guys' take on how he's going to perform uh, going forward as the Minnesota Viking. And um, I'll hang up a little. Thanks for the call. I'm going to mostly be a hypocrite and be inconsistent (laughs) in the next uh, 60 seconds. Not you. No, but this is the weird thing about perception. Yeah. Is Kirk had a good game today. He was far from perfect, far from elite. He was good, right? When you say he was good? Yeah. I thought Kirk was good. He was good. 242. No picks. But think of how many people are going to go, finally, a breakout game for Cousins, or this is what we needed out of Kirk. It's not like he put up 400 yards and four touchdowns. But he took a chance on, like, a couple of those throws. And I think that's but what people is, are most happy about. But I still think this was kind of the Kirk we saw no, all year. No, no, definitely this is not. like when Dirk Nowitzki won the NBA title, <laughs> and like the next morning it's like, Dirk's a Hall of Famer. It's like, Dirk was a Hall of Famer yesterday. So I think this is the same this is the same quarterback. I guess the hypocrisy where I'm going to contradict myself is I do think this is a perception changer. I think he's the exact same quarterback. But yeah, he is I who that we thought he there was. are going to be fans. There's going to be broadcasters going, well, we can move on from that narrative. It's, just, it's one win. But yeah. it does, for the story of Kirk, lift that cloud, at least temporarily. Now, if he goes to San Francisco and gets torched and he's a disaster, all the Cousins haters are going to come flooding back. True. Uh, but, Matt, I thought he played very well today. I thought he was composed. Uh, like you said, no interceptions. 
Uh, I thought he was solid. 19 yeah. of 31, 242 and a touchdown. Almost uh, uh, a dagger with Adam Thielen, but he gets the dagger three plays later to uh, to Cal Rudolph. I mean, the biggest thing is he had a better passer rating than Drew Brees, had more yards than Drew Brees. So that's that's the key. You went into a game toe-to-toe with a Hall of Famer, and you came out on top. One Nobody thought he could win a playoff game. Well, Brees wasn't even the best quarterback on the Saints today. True. Taysom Hill is, is ridiculous. He was much more dangerous. He is Not a, not a good weekend for 40-year-old quarterbacks. No, and if the Saints don't resign him, I hope the Vikings look into it because he that bit right there is ridiculous. That guy mm. can play. I mean, he he's everywhere. But if you look at this whole Kirk Cousins piece and what the narrative was going into this, hadn't won a playoff game, can't win big games under you know everybody watching him, the playoffs, every overtime freaking games. body is watching in the playoffs. Everybody's yeah. watching. Everybody's tweeting. When it got to overtime, everybody's like, oh, here comes the Kirk Cousins we waiting for. He's about to choke. He's about to throw a pick. He's about to do this. You know, the old, uh, uh, what you call it, for the Seahawks said, okay, I want the ball. I'm going to flip the coin. We want the ball. We're going on the score. And then he throws Hasselbeck. interception. Yeah, he throws inter- yep, those interception to uh, Al Harris, I think, for the Packers. And so – Everybody's waiting for that moment. The Dalvin fumble felt like one of those moment moments. That for the felt Vikings. like a Vikings moment. It, it literally did. It was tweets like tons. Jeff Schwartz treat, tweeted it like, "Oh, the the football gods have finally blessed the Saints." Oh wait, no, they didn't. My bad. He was down. So, but but, but stop right there for a second. Yeah. Let's say the Saints. Let's say Dalvin's knee wasn't down. Yeah. And the Saints run that in and win the game. Yeah. Cousins gets blamed. Cousins gets blamed. Right, even though that's a cook Zimmer fumble. Gets blamed. This would have been Spillman, Cousins can't fired. do it. Right? Yeah. But then instead, the game goes the Vikings' way in overtime. Yeah. It's finally Cousins is it's it's the same that's god the, dang quarterback. The He's the same the guy. I know it's just crazy how perception sometimes well, trumps. People facts wanted and Zimmer stats. fired a week ago. Now everybody wants him to have a six year extension. So I don't want Zim fired. There were some people saying fire him, get, you know, maybe trade him to the Cowboys. All this other crazy crap. Yeah. And now all of a sudden, all right. he's a savior. Bruno from Richmond, Virginia. You're on Minnesota Vikings fan line reacting to a 26-20 victory over the Saints. Hi, Bruno. Hey, how's it going, guys? Just want to call and give a big shout-out to the Vikings today, man. Just glad how Kurt showed up today, killed all the outside noise, you know, and he played a heck of a game. Just real proud of him today. Proud to be a Viking fan. Right on. Thanks, man. Take Thanks uh, for the call. So, again, the Niners are the opponent now after the uh, the overtime win against the Saints. Uh, 3.35 Central Time, 1.35 Pacific Time, and you were already saying during the break that you liked that time uh, for, for the Vikings. Yeah, on the West Coast, 1.30. West Coast, 1.30 yeah, it's, You don't have to – I mean, you don't need to get your circadian rhythms in order and all this other crazy crap. And it's you wake up, it's going to be a normal day for them. For us, it's going to be a little bit longer. We're going to be waiting for kickoff kind of like today. But – it's going to be a normal. But it's going to feel like a three o'clock game to the Vikings. Correct. I mean, Which today felt insane, today was right? noon and it felt long. I don't know about you, but this morning felt long. Like it's like, man, let's hurry up and get to this pregame show. Let's hurry up and get this game going. Man, everybody... How hard did you party on New Year's? <laughs> Still hungover? Because <laughs> everybody wanted the game. I mean, everybody oh. was waiting for this game. Like in New Orleans, everybody's waiting. So now, same thing. We're going to be waiting till three thirty our time. But for them. Wake up, breakfast, same thing. Go to the stadium at 11 o'clock, blah, blah, do all your stuff on the field, warm up. So for Kirk, there's no added anything. He's already been through a tough playoff game against a Hall of Famer. Now, don't change your perception because it's Jimmy Garoppolo. That defense is still good. You got to treat it the same way. You got to still go into this game with an edge that everybody hates me. It's got to be everybody, you know, the world against Kirk, Kirk against the world. Like, nobody likes me. Don't change that. Don't listen to all the – because now this week – all the naysayers are going to be on, on ESPN and K-Fan and everywhere talking about how great he is. 
Before that, it was he can't win because he didn't beat the Packers. He didn't beat the Bears. Well, he didn't play the Bears, but, you know, mm-hmm. all that stuff. Now it's they backed into the playoffs. Now it's, hey, they beat the team. Nobody expected them to play past this week. We did a poll during one of our Viking shows at the Vikings facility, and we were just joking around of who thinks this is our last week to work. It was amazing. At like People did say, okay, yeah, I think we have another chance, but it wasn't like, oh, we, we got this. We got this in the bag. Let's plan next week's meetings out. Like it was – Everybody's just kind of like, ah, you never know with Drew right. Brees and, and, and Mike Thomas. I think everybody kept saying Drew Brees, Mike Thomas. It was nothing else. The defense didn't scare anybody. Well, but stop uh, there again. Think about that. That's why, and again, by the way, I'm 0 for 3 on uh, playoff picks so far <laughs> this weekend. And that's not even against the spread. That's just straight up. I've been so wrong you bet in New Orleans. Three. Or yeah. not New Orleans. Or I thought, New Orleans. And I thought then, the Saints uh, would cover the New 7 England? and a half. Yeah, New, yeah, New England, England and too? the Bills. 0 for 3. But my point is, is I thought the Saints, before I found out about Mike Hughes and yeah. Mackenzie Alexander, Right, you you hear Mike Thomas and that we're gonna have backup corners yeah. at nickel or dime package, and you go, they're gonna torch us. Right. Um, this version of the Vikings, I think, is what frustrates fans the most. Right. Is if you go back pre-Packer game, a lot of us were saying things like, "Well, the Vikings, when they play at their best, and I don't think they played at their best today. They just played very well. When they play at their best, they can beat almost anybody. But yeah. why can't we get that team all the time? Uh, on that same ride, same note." If you had said, here's the five teams outside of the Vikings that made the postseason in the NFC. Forget about seedings. Just mm-hmm. Niners, Packers, Saints, Eagles, and uh, and Seahawks. Yep. The Saints going to New Orleans out of going to any of the other five, to me, is the worst-case scenario. This was the worst possible first-round draw to, just, to be one and done. Going, yep. going to New Orleans with that offense— with what Drew Brees has done in the last month, what was yeah. it? I think Must said 16 touchdowns, zero interceptions in his last four or five games. They never turn the ball over. They're, they've been putting up 30, 40 points on everybody. Lights out. And somehow Zimmer and that defense found a way to shut him down. Very, very unlikely. But yeah. uh, credit to Zimmer. Credit to the defense. Credit to Kirk. Credit to Dalvin. Everybody got it done. 26-20, they beat the Saints. I was opposite. I thought this was good as far as weather. Because you go to New Orleans, and so I'm thinking kickers. I thought it was going to be a, a – and we did need our kicker. But I, I, I felt like the kicker's going to be needed in this game at some point. One, because that's how Vikings games always are in the playoffs. There's always a kicker that either Fs it up or wins the game. That's the only two options for the Vikings. And normally it's you effing it up and you're wide right, wide left, or wide to somebody's mother in the, in the stands. The fact that, like, going to the Eagles, for instance, terrible grass this late in the year – you're going to see guys slipping later tonight. You're going to see kickers looking at their plant foot, all that crap. I don't know what it is about their field. I don't know if it's a little moist or what, but it just it never looks like the footing is good. You also have the Packers later. That could have been one of their options. That field, if it's cold, it's just hard, and it just like it's not the same. You're outdoors, so Kirk Cousins' hands, all that kind of stuff. I thought indoors was the best-case scenario for that fact of receivers have no issues with hands, getting warm and all that stuff. Kirk Cousins doesn't have to worry about that, and the kicker, has no win to worry about. He can kick a 45-yarder and nail it down the middle. We don't have to worry about, you know, is the wind blowing left or right? Does he have to bend it like Beckham, all that crap? I actually like that matchup. I did like it a lot before the Mike Hughes and McKenzie because I thought they did a good job against uh, Mike Thomas, period. He's never had a 100-yard game against them. And then when you look at the one time he got two touchdowns, it was some fluky crisscross guys running into each other type stuff. Xavier wasn't on them both times. Xavier does well against big receivers. That's the one thing. Those quick receivers, his hips right now. Like Harris when he torched him. Yeah, he killed him. But that's what I mean. Like, fast, twitchy receivers scare him. 
big receivers who don't move that fast, who are just going to body him up, him and Mike Thomas, he was there just about every time. And then when they switched off, and even the game he didn't play, I think Thomas only had like 58 yards, and the biggest guy in that game was Houghton Hill and J-Ron Curse. So I knew no matter who they plugged in, which today was Sandejo in the slot, yeah. you know, I figured like they can get, get it done as long as they're getting pressure on Breeze. Vikings with the walk-off winner in overtime, 26-20 over the New Orleans Saints. The Vikings will square off against the San Francisco 49ers, the number one seed in the NFC in San Francisco Saturday at 3.35. More with Ron Johnson, and I'm Corey Cove after this at 651-989-5326 or 1-800-320-5326. This is Minnesota Vikings football presented by Hy-Vee. First and 10 from the Saints, 45. Madison, the tailback, play action for Kirk from under center, straight drop. Kirk trying to win it to Thielen, caught at the five, and he stopped at the two. Cousins, Thielen, 42 on the Saints. First and goal, Vikings from the two. Yes, Kirk, well done. Cousins shotgun, Dalvin Cook to his left. Third and goal from the four. Kirk takes the snap, looks right, fade left, end zone, and it is caught. Touchdown! Amazing decision by Kirk Cousins. He saw the all-out blitz. He knew he had Rudolph one-on-one with the corner. Rudy! And just threw the jump ball. Oh, what a beautiful throw. Bonjour, San Francisco, and au revoir, New Orleans Saints. Vikings win 26-20 over the Saints. This is Minnesota Vikings. Phelan, I'm Corey Coe from the Power Two Morning Show. There's Ron Johnson. Hi, Ron. How's it going, Corey? Uh, look, we're happy that the Vikings won. Uh, we're going to talk about it for the next hour and a half. But explain to me what the hell the Saints were doing in the final 30 seconds. Because I think they blew it bad. And, here, and here's why. Okay. Down three. Yep. They're marching on the Vikings. Right? Eight, ten yards of play. Clock's ticking. And you can tell the Saints are intentionally trying to run out the clock. And either tie the game or win the game, right? Yep. So they are—they're milking the clock. They're not—they're yep. not in super hurry-up mode. Then they get the one that, that basically puts them in field goal range with 30 seconds to go, and they have a timeout. Yep. And they're kind of slowly getting up to the line. I go, why are they not calling a timeout with 30 seconds left? Mm-hmm. You can play the spike game later. You can work the sidelines. You there, there are ways to to do this. Why are you letting the clock run? Then they get up there with 21 seconds. They try to spike the ball. They get uh, uh, called for that illegal shift. It ends yep. up being what t- t- turns into a false start or something like yeah, that in the final 10-second runoff, yeah. And then the guys on Fox are explaining they can stop the 10-second runoff with by time calling out. a timeout. Yep. Sean Payton elects not to do that either. Right. What is he doing? I, I don't understand any yeah. of the game so theory there was a strategy lot of... in the final 30 seconds. He, when, when that, when, I think it was Mike Thomas, right? When Mike Thomas, or was it Jared Cook? Maybe it was Cook. Cook, yeah. Cook makes that catch with like 30 seconds to go. Mm-hmm. Everything after that, to me, the Saints and Sean Payton said, we're just going to get Will Lutz in position. We're going to tie this game. You are marching on the Vikings. Why are you not going for the kill shot there? I, I really hated that they just pulled off the pedal and went for the tie. Lucky for us, we'll take it. Yeah. I don't understand what they were doing. If I'm a Saints fan right now, if I'm calling into Saints fan line, I'm going, why did we just wave the white flag the final 30 seconds? Right. I don't think that's what they were doing. I mean, yeah, they were slow, but I don't think he was telling them to slow down. I think the line was just tired. Because remember, before that, the one guy got hurt. So I think either he faked hurt, got hurt, and kind of because if you're driving, the only reason to fake an injury or get hurt is, hey, I don't want to waste the time out. 
Let's get the guys out there. Let's get you off the field. He said he hurt his ankle, but then he was back. So I've seen that happen throughout the game. I think their line was just gassed. The second thing, when Sean Payton, I was confused too because I thought after the 10-second runoff, the clock kept going. Like, because the ref said, when I blow the whistle, right. clock's going to go. The clock didn't go. He blew the whistle, and the play clock went, not the game clock. And so that's when Zimmer got pissed because Zimmer's like, wait a minute. What, what the hell? Like, you just said the clock's going to go when you blow the whistle. So, technically, they shouldn't even been run that. Like, when they ran that play and then he spiked it to the ground, there were seven seconds. There should have technically been, like, one second left, maybe nothing, because they all effed up at some point and didn't look at what's supposed to run. Was this a dead ball foul? Did he spike? The, are we counting the spike? Or is it, you know, because, like, there was so much going on that he had to unpack. Everybody got confused. But at the end of the day, yeah, I think – what Drew Brees was thinking was, normally, if I spike it, you don't really look at how my guys are lined up. As long as everybody's up to the line of scrimmage, we're fine. But what happened, one of his linemen moved, so they had to throw it. Because at that point, they're like, look, you guys are still moving. I get you trying to stop the clock. Um, I think Peyton was, his thought was, let's spike it with 21, then we could take a shot. We take a shot and still have a timeout in case you get tackled in bounds. Because then now I don't have to just throw it to the end zone. But the procedural but you're at the 26-yard line. If you call a timeout there with 30 seconds to go, this is Drew Brees. But he's, he got 30 seconds to get 26 weirder yards. Weirder things have happened, though. I think they were just thinking, like, hey, let's save this timeout just in case we want to take a shot in the middle of the field and go for the touchdown or the dagger with a slant or some kind of dig route to Michael Thomas. And if he gets tackled, then we have the timeout versus, okay, like you said, in 30 seconds we call a timeout. Now we run one play. Clock's running. We got to get down. We got to spike it. They mess up. We're at nine seconds. Our guy moves. Game's over. But instead, it goes from 30 seconds to you mentioned all the way down to 11. 11. Because of the yep. false start. Correct. What a waste of time. Yeah, that was Advantage a waste. Advantage Vikings, and we'll take it. Yeah. One real quick uh, uh, football uh, strategy thing that I was going to ask you about. Well, And uh, I know Aikman mentioned it on the uh, the Fox broadcast. When you have a second to go, yeah. like the Vikings did in regulation, Yep. Uh, do you have any inclination of just chucking it up to try to get a pass interference? I do, yeah. I would. Instead of just taking a knee. I would, because it's happened. Like, uh, I forgot what game that was, but it happened where they threw a Hail Mary and they got a pass interference on, like, the 10-yard line. And then they came down, kicked a field goal, the game was over. Like, so it's happened. The the question is, though, is, because I know Tony Dungy hates this and he's bought this up, with the reviewable pass interference, do you then purposely tell your guys kind of get, you know, hey, if you get pushed, Flop. flop. Yep. And so when I thought, so when the refs watch it, they can see you got pushed in the back. It was a pass interference. We're bringing it down there. But yeah, that's happened before where there's been a pass interference on a deep throw. And, you know, yeah. I think it was Aaron Rodgers, maybe and the Packers might have benefited from it. But that's that's one of those things where, yeah, I, I at least try. Because sure. I, I know the worst case, though, is the thought of the Alabama Auburn. You throw something deep, they pick it off. So unlikely. The though. guys down there to stop them are linemen. Yeah, I'm and not so if you don't that. get your guys down and tackle them, he runs it back for a yeah. touchdown. That's the yeah, whatever. That's the other side of it. Connor and Shakopee, you are on Minnesota Vikings fan line. Hi, Connor. Hey guys, thanks for taking my call. Uh, before I go into what I want to talk about, I just wanted to say um, I pretty much I love how Kurt played today. Shut up, Cam Jordan and all the haters. Um, I mean, all Terry and the boys on the pregame show took the Saints at minus seventeen. Um, honestly, both sides of the ball, we just dominated. But uh, what I really wanted to hear what you guys had to say is on how Diggs was being an absolute diva today. Um, for Christ's sake, I mean, we were up winning in the first, and all of a sudden he started hucking his helmet across the uh, damn field. Field. It's honestly just gave me terrible vibes. But 
just be a team player for once. Don't care about yourself. We're up. Um, but in the end, we won the toss and went downfield and drove on, honestly, Rudy with an amazing catch. Um, Corey, give me toss a nice tap in the nuts tomorrow for good luck. We did it, boys. All right. Oh, thanks, man. dude. Appreciate it. Well, but Connor brings up a good point. Going back to uh, uh, the Cousins perception and how yeah. the story changes because the Vikings won and Cousins had a big uh, part of that with the pass to Thielen and the pass to Rudolph. Yep. Um, I think if the Vikings find a way to lose this game, I think what Connor just brought up is a much bigger story. It's the pout factor of Stefan Diggs for about three quarters. And then they ran those two weird, like, end arounds to him. Yep. And it felt like Stefanski was just trying to stop him from bitching. Yeah. And those plays didn't work very well. The first one worked okay, right, where he uh, it looked like he was going to throw for a second and Cousins was blocking for him. And then he took off running, got, I don't know, seven, eight, nine yards, whatever it was. The other one got stopped almost immediately. And I said to Musk, I go, are they just doing this so he stops throwing a tantrum? Because if that's the case, this sucks. This sucks. Because if they can't get him uh, involved in the passing game, I don't want handoffs to Diggs just so he stops crying, just so he stops throwing tantrums on the sidelines. If they had lost the game, I think a lot of people would have bitched about Stephon Diggs because they won and he made some nice plays down the stretch. I think it uh, is probably going to mostly be overlooked, much like his tantrums early in the season before it got turned around. Yeah. I mean, it's you got to pacify him. You do. But but at the same token. You don't have to. You really you kinda, don't. Yeah, you do. But, but to don't. Connor's point, they're winning. They are winning. If they're down by but, 15, 16, 17, and he's not getting the ball. But in his mind, he's like, we could be a lot more efficient. Because I know, so what we don't see is the all 22, and we'll see it. They're going to load it up tomorrow, and so we'll see it tomorrow, and then you'll hear more about it. Like, oh, here's a, because you know how people are. Oh, here's a play where Kirk Cousins could have thrown a digs. Here's another play where Kirk Cousins should have thrown it here, and he took a sack. And here's another play where he dumps it off, and he could have thrown it here. Because that, that's the job, the nitpick. Like, yeah, we had good Kirk, but like you said, it's the same Kirk. It's just one a game, so it feels better. Like, there's throws he missed that every, and every receiver thinks they're open, period. I don't care if two guys are covering you, you still think you're open. So that's part of it. Second part of it, he's a competitor. He wants the ball. We saw it early in the season when he threw a tantrum and he was mad that he wasn't getting the ball. Next game came back three touchdowns. So it's just one of those things where he feels like he should have been in a game plan. And I I understand where he's coming from because you look at the first 10 passes of Kirk Cousins, everybody was targeted but him. BC, Thielen, Rudolph, but no digs. And so I know in his mind he's like, just don't be a hitch. Let me get a slant. Let's run slant flats. Let's run hitch scenes. Something. Something to get me the ball real quick. Three-step drop. That's what Drew Brees does with Michael Thomas. That's in the in the playbook. Hey, I'm a, you're going to run an out route. I'm going to get you the ball. Let's get you going. I think that's where Diggs was a little bit frustrated, too. That's why the helmet wasn't, like, so much thrown at Kirk. It was more just at the sideline of, like, are you kidding me right now? Like, put me in the, put me in the play. Like, give me something. Give me a hitch. Give me a slant. Give me a drag. Give me something. And that's what I think he wanted. What what happened to Alvin Kamara from like a year and a half ago? He has no I said this with Nordal. He has no RB one. He's not an RB one. He never was an RB one. When he's at Alabama, look at that Alabama group of running backs there that he was on you know behind or around. Travis Henry. Or uh yeah, that's his name. Um but you got Henry, you got all these other guys um that he Kamara, Tennessee guy? He was at Alabama first. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, he okay. transferred. That's right what, that's what I mean. Like that's how crazy that. that backfield was. It was back with uh, like T.J. Yeldon, that group. That you was Derrick Alvin- Henry. Derrick Henry. Sorry, Henry? yeah, Derrick Henry, T.J. Yeldon. That group. Kamara was a freshman. Hmm. That's how loaded they were. That's how good of a recruiter and how big of a crazy. bag of didn't money 
that Saban has at his arsenal, that he can go out and pay for six running backs that are in the NFL right now. Alvin Kamara saw the writing on the wall. He's like, look, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be the third, fourth running back. I'm going to go to the NFL from Alabama. Yes, I only need to play one year. I'll be in the league. But he's also like, eh, I can transfer and go be the man somewhere else. Transfers to, to Tennessee. But same thing there. Tennessee had a group of guys. So he gets a chance to be a running back, but also be a receiver, be a kick returner, you know, do all the stuff he did. That's why when the Saints got him, they're like, look, we want this guy on the field at all times. I talked to Mike Nolan, their linebacker's coach. That's the first thing, and that was, what, two years ago. I said, hey, Mike, what's up with this Alvin Kamara kid? Hey, we're going to keep two running backs on the field at all times. That's why when they signed Adrian Peterson, I was like, this is stupid. Like, you want to keep two running backs on the field at all times, it's not Adrian Peterson, it's Mark Ingram. Mark Ingram is a better dash and stash guy because he can catch. You can't. We, I mean, come on now. We know. Adrian Peterson is not a receiving running back. No. Alvin Kamara was great with Mark Ingram because he was RB1. Ingram could, or uh, Kamara could do all the crap. The zones, the, the, the schemes, the, the motions, the, the screens, the receiver lineup and run a hitch. All that crazy crap he did. Now it's like, hey. You're going to line up at seven, eight yards. You're going to run the ball downhill. That's not his. That's not his. That's yeah, not his thing. And credit to the Vikings defense today, but I just I don't see Kamara breaking tackles, making people miss. All he those never dynamic, did. He kind of did the, the his breakout year. He was seemed like he was untackleable. He but was that's making everybody look Mark silly. Mark Ingram was back there. So what, what you have to understand is when you're in a split backfield. If I send Evan Kamara to the right, I send Ingram to the left. You can't put all your defensive guys can't flow. So he was getting split action. He was seeing both linebackers take opposite directions. So now when you're making a guy miss, you're making maybe one linebacker miss, and it's a split block. Everything's kind of at a disarray. When he would run jet sweep, same thing. The team would be watching Mark Ingram go left of the counter. All of a sudden, Alvin Kamara comes out the back end the other way. He's making one or two guys miss because it's it's linebackers and, and receive, or uh, DBs. Now you're dealing with Linval. You're dealing with Daniil Everson because you're a first and second down back now. Latavius is okay, but Latavius doesn't scare anybody. Mark Ingram scares you because at any moment when he gets going, he can give you 125 yards. So that's the difference okay. in this team is like Alvin Kamara needed an RB1. He needed somebody to carry the lows so he can come in fresh after you're already worn down and then start making you miss and make you look stupid. And that's kind of what Taysom Hill is now, though. Taysom Hill is kind of like their gimmick guy now. He's the guy doing all the stuff and getting the carries and, you know, guys are worn down and he's breaking tackles. That used to be Alvin Kamara where when Taysom Hill popped out on that one, if that's Alvin, that's a touchdown. That's the difference. What do you know about running backs? A week ago I was trying to make a bet because you said Boone would get three or four carries. I said I'd take Oh, this week? Yeah. Yeah, how'd that work out? Uh, Dalvin Cook had I didn't know Madison was going to come back looking so good. Yes, you did. I don't know who's going to look that uh, Dalvin good. Cook, 28 carries, 94 yards, and a couple of touchdowns. Alexander Madison, 5 carries, 20 yards. The Vikings win in walk-off fashion in overtime, 26-20 to 20 over the New Orleans Saints. More of your phone calls after this. This is Minnesota Vikings football presented by hy V. Kamara in the backfield. Breeze on third down. Straight drop. It's a deep shot. He's looking for Ted Ginn. Intercepted. Yes, it is. Anthony Harris gets up and runs at the 25 to the far side 40. Harris to the 50. Well done. That's the seventh interception this season for Anthony Harris. And there are no flags on the play. 2.03 to go in the first half. And Harris just turned over Breeze. Three receivers left, feeling right. Hook the tailback. Digs in motion to the right. Hand off Dalvin. Up the
the middle. It's easy, and he's in the end zone. Yes, he is. An effortless touchdown by Dalvin Cook, and he runs the Minnesota Vikings to a 12-10 lead in the shadow of halftime. So he walked in on one touchdown, Ron Johnson, Dalvin Cook. The other one, I think that guy on the uh, goal line just guessed. Because if you, if you uh, they wait and wait and wait, yep. they call the touchdown. Mm-hmm. Again, we'll take it. Talk about the ref. Yeah. yeah. Then they show the, the cam from the sideline. He didn't cross the line. It didn't look like he made it. And I'm like, if that's the view of the official that called the touchdown, he absolutely just guessed. Because you can't see Dalvin, you can't see the ball. No. There's no way that he, official saw the ball cross. The only the thing line. he saw was his helmet and his shoulder, and right. that did cross. So I think in his mind, he probably he guessed liked, exactly. And then if you saw the replays, he, the I, ball was in the other it, arm. But as soon as I saw the replay, I go, you know what? I don't think he made it. But the call on the field was a touchdown, and they couldn't. And they're, they're never going to yeah. be able to overturn it. There's no. not. There's not one good angle. The only angle that that was dicey was that overhead. 45-degree angle, so it's very um, it's it kind of deceptive been, yeah. on, on how far over the, the line the ball may be. Just uh, a tip. Yep, it's and I'm like, there's no way they're overturning this. You can't tell. That's the only thing they figured. Just Not a, a great day for the officials. That first no. drive, too, uh, the Vikings uh, on the Thielen fumble, the officials miss a false start. I think it was Elfline, right? Yeah, missed the, one of them. Missed yeah. the false start, so the play should have never happened. Thielen yep. fumbles. And then when the guy from the Saints picks the ball up, he steps out of bounds by a mile and a half. Twice. And if you look at the official, his head is aimed down almost directly at where the guy's stepping out of bounds, and he misses it. Whoever that guy is. He was also trying to get out the way of Sean Payton. Still, so when that, that guy gets graded out, somebody's going to go, dude, you're almost looking directly at the young man's feet. Yeah. And yeah, you white... didn't see that he stepped out by six and a half miles. Get on white cleats. It's a white out of bounds. I guess wear white cleats if you play uh, NFL football. Yeah, uh, The Vikings win 26-20 over the New Orleans Saints. The Vikes will play the San Francisco 49ers at 335 this Saturday in San Francisco. You can hear it uh, right here on the Vikings Radio Network. Let's go to uh, Bismarck, North Dakota. Hi, Mike. Hey, how you doing? I I just say got to say that was a great win, and uh, both lines played great, and that's where you win ball games is on a line of scrimmage. I mean, if, if either one of the – if the offensive or defensive line, either one of them would have taken a snooze, we'd have had a tough time winning. It was just a heck of a win. Thanks a lot. All right, thanks for the call. Uh, yeah, and credit to the turnovers of the defense. Yeah. Uh, I saw that stat, and I couldn't believe it. The Saints only had eight turnovers all year long. Fewest yeah. in NFL history. Yep. Eight for the entire year, the Vikings got two out of them today. Yeah, they were plus 15 in the turnover ratio this year, so they were second behind the Patriots. Patriots with 21, which was absolutely asinine as well. And then you look at the biggest is Drew Brees doesn't throw interceptions. I think that was, was one of four, the four, I think, this year. Four, he yeah. Four. And he doesn't throw them often. So the fact that they got one, I think that was – and it was a prayer ball. I mean, he it was a 50-50 ball he threw. I don't think he thought Ann Harris was going to get there, and that was the key. He was hoping – if one-on-one, Ann Harris not there, it's a catch. And so I think that's what he underestimated was the ability of because he knows Harrison. Harrison went the other way, so he's like, "Oh, I'm gonna take a shot." Mm-hmm. He just did not. Nobody, everybody's wondering why Ann Harris isn't in the in the uh, Pro Bowl. That's why because guys like Drew Brees just don't know him. They don't respect him. He doesn't have that yet. Where it's like, if he's there, I'm going there anyway. Now guys are gonna have to realize like this kid has six interceptions for the season, tied for the NFL lead, tied with for Gilmore the NFL of uh, New yep. England and White of Buffalo. Exactly, and and, and Gilmore might be the de- defensive MVP of the league. And then you turn around and look at 
in the playoffs. You just picked off Drew Brees, which is one of the biggest moments of the game. So, yeah, they, they don't turn the ball over. But uh, to his point, though, about the defensive line showing up, the biggest key today was putting four DNs in the game at the same time. That's what confused the hell out of Drew Brees in that offensive line as well. When you got four defensive, you had a Fadi Adenabo outside, you had Stephen Weverly on the other side, and then you had Daniil and Everson in the middle. That was confusing to them because when Everson did the spin move, that one quick sack he got, or whatever, yeah. forced Drew Brees to throw it to uh, Kamara's feet, he wasn't even on the ground. Like, his hand wasn't down. So if I'm trying to pick out the mic to block, I don't know who the hell I'm supposed to block because everybody's standing up. So I think that was a huge Mike Zimmer bonus there to say, hey, yeah, we've tried this with a couple different pieces. Let's just put all four of our DNs in the game. Screw, we know they're not going to run the ball. We know it's a true passing down. He's in shotgun. We're not scared of him running. So, and Alvin Kamara, to your point, like I said, Alvin Kamara doesn't scare us either. Let's put four DNs in the game and let's play. And I know a I lot of Vikings Vikings fans were afraid that Cam Jordan was going to torch us today, right, and uh, get to Kirk Cousins yeah. a billion times. Uh, I hope Saints fans fear Daniil Hunter the same way because uh, they're going to go to bed tonight thinking that uh, Daniil had his way with the Saints, and uh, I don't think any Vikings fans are going to look back and go like, man, Cam Jordan just uh, ate no. us up today. Cam had a couple of good plays. He did. He did. But, but, I mean, but it wasn't like he was the, way, the way Cam Jordan was talking, and I get it. When you're from Minnesota, you grew up here, your dad was a Viking, blah, blah. You have a little extra hate, plus the Minneapolis miracle. He had to come here and be a part of that. And then you turn around the next year and you got the 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 whatever pass interference that should have been called that wasn't called. And then you, this year you end on an overtime fade route to Kyle Rudolph, a guy that you know because you lived here at one point. You were here in the offseason and all this other crap. I mean, it's just for Cam Jordan, he just was trying too hard and he got a couple. But now he's got to live another offseason with another Vikings memory that he's going to hate the Vikings again next year. Well, so, if I'm Cam Jordan, I go into Sean Payton's office and I say, why did we just quit those last 30 seconds of regulation? Yeah. We could have won the game. Uh, Chris in Burnsville. Hi, Chris. Hey, how are you guys? Fine. Good. I just wanted to bring up a few points here. So, uh, first, I was uh, pretty nervous about our O-line uh, going into this game um, just because of the uh, hiccups we had against Green Bay, uh, not so much the Bears, obviously, because that game was a little bit different. But um, I just wanted you guys' comments on that. I, I thought they played a, a hell of a game today, uh, both in run blocking and pass blocking. And uh, another one, uh, another point I wanted to bring up, I was hard on Xavier Rhodes. I've been pretty hard on him all, all year, you know, for, for pretty good reason. But I thought he did a hell of a job today going back in uh, late in the game with that stinger that he had and, and really uh, laying down some heavy hits. Um, and then the third point, uh, I just wanted to uh, say uh, I'm really happy Kirk Cousins, you know, got this first monkey off of his back. I thought that last throw he had to Thielen was pretty damn clutch. Uh, yeah. I'll hang up and talk to you guys and uh, see what you say. All right, thanks for the uh, thanks for the call. Yeah, the Cousins thing that we're going to talk about all week leading into the Niners game is that he temporarily silences critics, right? Yeah. Because, again, one game doesn't wipe away your entire it history. Doesn't. But uh, if you piss down your leg next week, you're going to hate you again. Right, but a deep playoff run, keep going on the road, keep winning primetime, nationally televised games against winning teams on yeah. the road, all the formulas that have haunted Kirk Cousins, keep shutting them up. I mean, it's already viral. I've seen it, you know, the Vikings posted it, the uh, – uh, speech in the locker room after the game where Kirk Cousins said to his uh, entire team, like, I got three words. You like that? And they all lose. They're all so excited for him yeah. to get this monkey off his back temporarily. 
Keep it going, right? Garoppolo's not a Hall of Famer. Right. It's not Drew Brees. It's not Russell Wilson. Right. Go beat Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah, that and Niners Garoppolo's defense never is loaded. Been there either. No, but this Niners defense is loaded. They are. George Kittle's going to be absolutely a handful, right? J. Ron Curse has got to play. Right. We, He's got to be. You got to put him on him. I've already seen online that the Vikings are opening up as like seven or seven and a half point dogs. That's you exactly what they were the today end. against yep. the New Orleans Saints. So yeah, they're going to be underdogs. And I heard uh, Kyle Rudolph say it with Ben Lieber after the game. Yeah, we're going to be dogs next week. That's yep. fine. That's how Go we get like it. It. Yeah, go, go get, get it. it. Uh, 335 <laughs> this Saturday against the San Francisco 49ers. The Vikings move on after a 26-20 victory over the Saints in overtime. Thanks to Kyle Rudolph and then Kyle, uh, Kirk Cousins touchdown to him in overtime. Uh, more of your phone calls for the next hour or so at 651-989-5326 or 1-800-320-5326. That's Ron Johnson. I'm Corey Coven. High V presents Playoff Football on the KFAN Minnesota Vikings Radio Network. Goal from the four. Breeze out of the shotgun. Looks right. He's flustered. And he's sacked. Yes, he is. Back at the 11-yard line. Daniil Hunter, Everson Griffin all over Drew Breeze. When did you think we'd ever say, thank heavens, Drew Breeze is back in? He's back to pass. Oh, Root dropped it. Get it, Vikings. Come on. It's a fumble. And yes. Oh, yes, we got that ball. 4-18 to go in the game. And as I said into the play, who thought somebody would ever say, thank heavens Drew Brees is back in the game. And it was a forced fumble, which I believe was recovered by Jalen Holmes. Drew pumped, and Daniil Hunter caused the fumble, and the Vikings have turned over the Saints. A couple of key sacks today by the Minnesota Vikings. Let's talk about that first one, Ron, uh, that uh, Brandon Molesky just played. The... Uh, Thielen fumble yep. goes the wrong way, right? The yep. uh, the great play by uh, Janoris Jenkins. The ball pops out. Saints uh, pick it up. Uh, a couple plays later, the Vikings with that sack that we just heard force a field goal. Let me yep. ask you an unanswerable uh, butterfly effect question. <laughs> I, I do kind of think that if the if the Saints punch a touchdown there uh, in there on that first drive after a Thielen fumble, yeah, the the dark cloud is a lot stronger and uh and, and and probably impacts the game a little bit more uh than uh, the field goal did. I thought that was a big win for the Vikings defense uh to shut down that offense and not give up a touchdown after that Thielen fumble. That was a nice little all right, take a deep breath. That's uh it's not the end of the world. They didn't just, you know, go three plays in six. It's three plays in essentially a three. I thought that was huge. 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 I mean that that's that's the thing. If I look at body language. That's the one good thing about being a TV versus when we're sitting in the stadium. It's tough to see body language from where we're at in the press box. On TV, you can see it, especially when they catch it. And the, and the camera guys are pretty good at this. After the Thielen fumble, the first group they showed was the defense. Because that's usually you want to see how does the defense react to your offense doing that to you. Like early in the game, we're sitting here, our helmets are off. We're thinking, hey, let's, this is a nice 10-play drive, at least four or five plays, not two. They do it. They show the defense. The defense literally just kind of had that look like, oh, you got to be kidding me. Here we go. Already? Right. And so you see the guys grab their helmets. You see them over there talking. They get on the field. First play, nice play. The sack is when I think they all were like, okay, crap, we got this. Because you can see the coaches on the sideline. You can see the offensive guys stand back up like, okay, we made one mistake. The defense had our backs. Let's go. The defense is running off, super excited. Even after the field goal was made, Zimmer still had that look like, we're still in this. It's 3 nothing. Like, we just held Drew, Drew Brees. Just did nothing to us. Like, we, we took their best shot, and we ate the bullet and spit it back out like we were the Hulk. And so now you move up 
And I think that's that was for me. I think that was the turning point. Was the body like if they if they score a touchdown, I think that body language is different. I think everybody's this camera probably goes so to Kirk Cousins and Thielen, and they want to see just Kirk have that look like, ah, oh, crap, I got to do it all over again. Let me make sure I don't throw it to Thielen because he might fumble. Let me make you know like and I, and you didn't see that. You saw Kirk grab his helmet. He was ready again. He's like, yep, I didn't do anything wrong. Fumbles happen. Guys were back in this. And so I think that that was the huge change was there was no body language change because of a field goal. I think that was actually an upper for them to say, our, yeah. our defense is ready to play today. Quick update in Philadelphia. They just kicked a field goal. So the Eagles, they being the Eagles, the Eagles just tied it at three. And it's uh, Eagles led by Josh McCown, not Carson Wentz, who was knocked out of the game earlier. Uh, I haven't seen an update. If you guys know one, just let me know. But uh, yeah, Josh McCown is crazy. He and I were McCown's drafted together. Five of seven for 21 yards, but it's 3-3. Seattle and Philly. The winner of this game goes to Green Bay next weekend. Yeah, I just saw the stat, though. I think he's like the first or the second 40-plus-year-old to throw a playoff ball or something for the Eagles or something. It was like some guy way back in the 70s. But, I mean, that's crazy that he's 41 years old, 42 years old, and he's out there basically trying to get it done. So the only game so far this weekend that has not featured a four-year-old <laughs> ball was Bills and uh, Texans. Yep, yep, a bunch of 40-year-old quarterbacks out there getting it done. Crazy. Can Kirk make it to 40 is the question. Well, if he had lost today, everybody would have been saying, trade him, cut him. What do we got to do to get rid of him? But in, now it's let's give him a 15-year extension. No, no more Kyle Slaughter calls. Yeah, perception, right? Uh, Kenny from Somerset. Hi, Kenny. Hey, how's it going, Ron? How's it going? Or Pretty 40. good. Sorry about that. Uh, I never made a call in before. I'm kind of nervous. Yeah, uh, I got a couple, uh, two, three points, and then two really quick questions. So this is all quick. Uh, the defense was spectacular tonight. I thought, if anything, the Vikings have to try to keep uh, New Orleans up under 30 points to even have a chance to win, and they did. They didn't. Vikings didn't even need to score 40 points. So I thought that was great. And as a matter of fact, I think uh, if it wasn't for Taysom Hill, I think New Orleans might have only scored 10 points. I mean, remember he got yeah. that uh, catch for down at the first at the one yard line, and Kamara ran in for a touchdown. Kamara might never got a touchdown today without that play. Yeah, thanks for the call. I, I mean, I agree. I thought Deontay Harris in a couple of different ways, and Taysom Hill kept the Saints in the game. Outside of that, I think uh, Kenny's 100% yeah. right. Yeah, even he just didn't have a lot of explosiveness today. No firepower out of the Saints' office. I, that's why I, I, I would have been wrong on this, too. But I thought the Saints would win. I thought the Saints would cover, and I thought this game would go over. I thought it was going to be a shootout that uh, the defense of the Vikings, specifically the secondary, was going to get exposed against guys like Michael Thomas. Uh, that wasn't the case. If you would have told me before the game the Saints were only going to score 20, I'm going to say, yeah, the Vikes are going to win this game. I, I thought they'd be in the 30s for sure, and uh, clearly they were uh, nowhere near that until late. And yeah, they, I, didn't they they the, I didn't think it was going to get to I didn't think it was going to get to that because that was one of our questions on Fox 9 this morning. Uh, Sinker Sale with me and Hobie and Ben and Dawn was, do you think the uh, Saints would score 34-plus points? Because they had been doing it the last six weeks. I would have said yes. I said no. I sunk it for the reason of I thought, well, I, I, I thought they'd be in the 20s. But I'm like, I don't think they're getting to 34. I just, I felt the defense had something up their sleeve. And I I, I didn't think it was going to be that. I thought it was going to be more Anthony Barr at the end mm-hmm. and then kicking Everson in because kicking Everson in clearly works. We saw it, that happen once. We saw it earlier in the season it happened. I don't know if it was on purpose or somebody was hurt. I can't remember. But I know he did it a couple times before in a B-Rob type role. And I thought this would be another game to put Barr because you're not worried. So usually Barr spies for you. He keeps the quarterback in the pocket like an Aaron Rodgers. Like he's going to have to grow up and run a little bit. So you'll see Barr do that a little bit more. Drew Brees doesn't run, so there's no reason to spy him. Like, if he runs, you can catch back up to him. He's not going anywhere. 
So I thought it was going to be more of that. But it ended up being the four DNs. Like, that was freaking smart. That was phenomenal because they, they had no idea what to do with that. Matthew from Owatonna, Owl City. Hi, Matthew. Hey, how you guys doing? Great. First first of all, I would just like to say to the whole Vikings nation, peace, love, happiness, and that is a fantastic game. I had called against after the game against the Green Bay Packers. I was really skeptical because of I felt like they were too passive. And I was like, is this Zimmer the coach? But I don't know who made a decision to make that play call to throw the throw it deep to Am Thielen. That to me was the play of the game, but just not that. Like that defensive that defense just showed up and they played out hard. Just like other callers, I was a little concerned about Micah Thomas just lighting us up. Mm-hmm. But thoughts are who made that call to throw it to just give Cousins the chance to throw it deep? I'm going to say Stefanski. Yeah, thanks Thanks for the call. Stefanski or Kubiak. Next round's on me, by the way. Uh, Ryan from Omaha. Hi, Ryan. <laughs> hey, guys. Um, this is not this is not a Kirk Cousins uh, game. Uh, this is this goes to Zimmer and the defense. Uh, what they did, their game plan, I think it worked successfully. You limit a Hall of Famer to what he did, and I think a little bit of that goes on to Sean Payton by saying, "Hey, you probably should have let Tyson Hill in." Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. Listen to you guys. Thanks for the call. You're never benching Drew Brees, but to uh, to your point, you definitely could have found ways to keep using Taysom Hill. He it 100%. was working. Yeah. They, they, but you can't like honestly though you can, but you can't like it's it's Drew Brees. I get the Taysom thing works, but get him the ball then. Not at right. quarterback. Yeah. Just find a way I mean, to get him the did, ball. Though. He threw him a freaking touchdown. He Keep ran the ball going. a couple it times. It was working. It was, but that was like the one thing today the Vikings didn't have an answer for. Otherwise, yeah. I think he's a hundred. Yeah, I definitely right. agree with that. I think you probably throw him the ball more because you could have ran some drag routes. Because for some reason, whenever he ran out for routes, it was almost like the defense forgot he can actually run routes. And like catch, and catch. And like he over. ran a go, and Harry kind of like watched him run by him. It was like, oh, he's just gonna wait a minute. What you're throwing it to him? So like that's because he was covering Kamara in the flats, right? He well, stuck, it was confusion because him and, in the middle. him and Sendejo were both like, so that's where we always talk about the conversations DBs have. At some point, you got to say, I got one, you got two. So one is going to be the first guy to go, which would have been Taysom Hill. Two would have been the second guy, which you're saying to the flat. Somebody effed it up. Somebody didn't either communicate it right or one and two got confused. I don't know because he was the furthest left. So normally, you know, so I don't know how they identify because everybody identifies it different. Everybody, some people say one is inside, two is outside, blah blah. I don't know. It's it's different for everybody. But whatever that conversation looked like, you're right. Somebody told somebody the wrong thing because Harrison set as if he had the flat, and then he realized, wait a minute, no, I got the deep guy. It also temporarily looked like he lined up against Taysom Hill. Like it looked like he was going to yeah, man up yeah. on him, and then, and then as then soon he let as the go. play started, then it looked like they dropped into some kind of a zone, right. and then he got stuck in the middle. Correct. And and that's the thing is like if you if you're not being threatened in the flat and it could honestly it could have been a cover too like like I said when we it's tough on TV because if they don't show the back end you can't see where the, right. where the other two safeties are and what kind of look they're playing because people can say oh it's Harry 
it still could be too deep with your safety up playing the the, the zone because you got Sendejo and Harris and uh and Harris out there. So you're technically playing with three safeties anyway. And they did that before with um when Xavier was out, it was Curse, Anthony Harris, and uh Harrison Smith. So they've done this package before where they put three safeties in the game. I just don't know as far as that conversation. Were they in cover two? Did Harrison know where he's supposed to be? And was that just a perfect cover two? fade route where Drew Brees stuck it in the zone hole. That's the other part. Sometimes there's a perfect play for a perfect coverage, and you can't – nobody's wrong. And that could be the other piece. It could have just been cover two, and Brees is Brees and made a perfect throw. I mean, that's the only other way to say it. All right, let's pause 10 seconds for station identification. This is Minnesota Vikings football presented by Hy-Vee. All right, this could have been the final segment for the Vikings radio network (laughs) across the radio network, but it's not because the Vikings won 26-20 over the New Orleans Saints. So at this point, though, we are going to let the network go. Uh, If you want to continue to listen to Minnesota Vikings fan line, we're going to do it here locally in the Twin Cities for another 45 minutes or so, leading you up to wild coverage. But uh, out there on the network, you can listen on iHeartRadio. It's an app you can download on your phone. It's free. Uh, Just click on KFAN, find 100.3 FM in the Twin Cities, and you can listen to the next 45 minutes of Vikings conversation. Otherwise, the Niners are the opponent on Saturday at 335 locally here in the Twin Cities. The pregame will start at 130. You guys out there on the network will join us at 230. Uh, next Saturday. For Ron Johnson, I'm Corey Cove, and this has been Minnesota Vikings Fan Line. Hy-Vee presents Playoff Football on KFN, Minnesota Vikings Radio Network. Vikings Fan Line now continues on FM 100.3 KFAN and the Fan Radio Network. Vikings Fan Line on the Fan is presented by the Greater Twin Cities Honda Dealers, Advanced Imaging, by Randy's Electric, Minnesota Labor's Union, and by Youngstats. To join in on the conversation on Fan Line, call 651-989-KFAN or 800-320-5326. Now it's your reaction to all the action. Vikings Fan Line, along with Ron Johnson, here's KFAN's Corey Cove. Welcome back to Minnesota Vikings Fan Line. I am Corey Coe from the Power Gym Morning Show. You can hear us tomorrow, 5.30-9 with Ben Lieber. He'll be back from New Orleans. Chris Hockey will be back from New Orleans. Myself and Sauce will break down the 26-20 victory over the New Orleans Saints. But uh, Ron Johnson and I are going to take you up to a wild pregame at 5.45. If you're uh, looking for the Seahawks-Eagles game, that'll be on the plus. I believe it's even maybe on the plus right now. Uh, KFAN Plus, you can check that out. Otherwise, uh, we have breaking news, Ron Johnson. Yeah. Uh, Jay Glazer reporting that uh, the Cowboys have officially informed Jason Garrett that he is out as head coach. I don't know why it took four or five days, but he is out. They bought two coaches in for interviews. Like, of course he was going to be out. <laughs> like, can you imagine, like, being married and being like, hey, I don't really know if I want to get divorced, but I'm going to bring two ladies over and I'm going to interview them. Who are those ladies? I don't know. Just two randoms. I met at Cub Foods. I don't want to know. Or high V. I met two ladies at High V in the in the produce aisle and i just want to bring them home and have a conversation with them see if they're better than you but if it was like hey uh if you're on the fence on getting divorced why don't you just talk to kate upton carrie russell and elastigirl and see if they got something elastigirl <laughs> otherwise we can move on with our lives um all right back to the uh, the phone lines we go let's try uh ryan from lakeville hi ryan hey how's it going guys it's going well pretty good Hey, I just got a couple questions. What did you think of the play calling after the Thielen catch at the two? First play seemed fine. You gained a yard. You're at the one. I don't like the left outside run. He lost like three or four yards. Obviously, it didn't matter. 
but just seemed like kind of a bonehead play. Um, then I wanted to ask how big of a disadvantage is it that we only have six days to get ready for San Fran? And if Stefanski leaves, just Kubiak take over, or what's your thoughts on that? All right, thanks yeah. for the call. Uh, well, based on uh, you not liking this play calling, maybe Stefanski's going nowhere. Right. Uh, but you, you've talked about tendency breakers in the past. Right. And uh, we already mentioned that for whatever reason, running left today was not working. Running no. w- right was. You had some stats to back it up that that seems to be the case the entire year. I wonder if it is one of those cases where it's, all right, you're on the one or two yard line. First down didn't work. I wonder if the uh, the Saints are going, well, they're not going to run left. It's not working. Right. Of course we're going to stop it. <laughs> so you try running left just to see if you can catch them off guard. I know that sounds stupid, but I wonder if that's the logic. Just like everyone in the world expects us to run right because it's been working. Let's just really quite a, let's try to pop it in quick with a with a right. left outside run. Didn't work at all. They lost three or four yards. Right. It sets up the game winner for my Cousins to, to Rudolph. Uh I don't know if I liked or disliked or loved or those calls at all. I I think if that first down play works, none of us are caring about any of it. The second down play probably wasn't my favorite call in the world. I like the third down call. Yeah. Rudy isolation. I don't mind that at all. 6'6", 250 pounds. Right. Looked like a size mismatch. Just like Gronk. Same thing. Go to the big guy. I mean, you have to have tendency breakers. At, at key moments in the game like that, I mean, we're watching Beast Mode right now. Pete Carroll, we see that after contact, beast mode is a beast. That's why they call him that. That's why he's had runs like that. He just hit two two guys and still found a way to get in the end zone. So when people are like, why didn't you just give him the ball on the one? Yeah, to this day, that's going to be Pete Carroll's probably, it's going to go to his grave. Like, dang it, I wish I just handed the ball off to Marshawn Lynch instead of throwing a stupid under slant route with a pick play. But that's the tendency breaker. He was hoping that they were all thinking. Daryl Bevel run the, was hoping. That we're going to run the ball, so let's throw the slant. And the tendency was broken. Malcolm makes a Malcolm Butler makes a ridiculous play, and that's all she wrote. So it, it happens. Like, that's, that's again, it's time after time after time. It's a guessing game. It's a chess match. You try to guess four moves ahead of your opponent. With all that said, though, how do you feel about the call specifically on second down? You like that run or not? It hadn't worked all day. It hadn't worked all day. I get it because you're, you're, you're hoping that they're thinking the same thing. They're going to go right because we know they love to run right with Brian O'Neill. And it works. And it works. Dalvin Cook walks into the end zone. But, I mean, you can't fault it. it you're, you are where you are. The butterfly effect. Say they do run it right. What if he fumbles? Yeah, because it's knows. in his right arm, and all of a sudden, boom, comes out. I mean, I don't, you never know. Yep. All right, let's try uh, Angie from Rochester. Hi, Angie. Hey, guys, how are you doing? Doing well. Um, I just had a question. First of all, I, I thought it was a great game today. I thought moving uh, Hunter and Everson into the middle was incredible strategy. They didn't know what to do with them. They couldn't stop them. And, but my real question, why not a squib clip going into the half? You know, why give that guy the opportunity for that big return? I'll hang up and listen, hmm. but appreciate you guys every day. Thanks. Yep. Thanks for the call. That's that, an elite question. It is a good question because that almost burnt us, right? If Will Lutz doesn't miss that field goal before halftime, we go into uh, halftime with a tie game. Instead, he misses it, pushes it right from, what, 46? I forget exactly how far out it was. Yeah, took a nap. And the Vikings go in with a three-point lead. But uh, Angie brings up a good point. How do you feel about that halftime just straight-up kickoff? Marvin M- M- Maloof. Marwan Maloof. Maloof took a nap. He took a nap. He just, I think he just thought, hey, this is, let's just boot it. Yeah, let's There's no it time down, left. No time left. Enough. Exactly. Like he took a nap. It was either that or Dan Bailey didn't get enough on it. Which happened but, a couple times today. And I couldn't tell, uh, this is, you know, a novice. I, I couldn't tell if he was doing that intentionally or he just didn't have the leg. I don't think he had the leg. 
Weird. What happened? I had no idea, but their kicker had no problem kicking it to the end. Will Lutz was banging it to the end zone. Mm. So, I don't know. It that, that was a weird, like, fall asleep at the wheel type moment. Like, mm. But they got out of it. All right, back-to-back ladies, unless this is the weirdest named dude of all time. Bonnie from St. Paul. Hi, Bonnie. Yeah, hi. How are you? I say, um, I had a question about the other Harris on the field. Um, the five foot uh, six, one hundred and seventy pound pound saint. You yeah. know who I'm talking about. Yeah, Deontay um, Harris. I kept on wondering why the Vikings couldn't, and I'm sure there's a reason, have figured out that he's going to catch it every time. And the Saints have said to each other that. And so then why wouldn't they have just made sure that he didn't get anywhere after he caught it. You're talking about on returns? Yes, I'm talking about Harris. Uh, It just seemed like, okay, now Harris is going to catch it because he always does. And then he's going to just run, you know, 20 or 30 yards or 40 or, you know, I just, that was because I was curious about that. Is there a way that you can anticipate that somebody's going to be the guy that is going to catch the punt and then just make sure that he doesn't get anywhere? All right, thanks for the call. None, none of the other guys are going to catch it. Right, thanks for the yeah. call. Well, yeah. No, nobody else is going to catch it. No. There's only one punt returner and one kick returner. Right. Um, but the key is they tried it once. You <laughs> angle punt it. They punted it to the far right one time, and he went out of bounds and caught it. Uh, there was another time where they just kicked it out of bounds. Punt, he didn't really scare me as much. It was the kickoffs. Like, on kickoffs is where he got that full head of steam. One, there's no more um, running you know, up to the kick anymore. So now the kick kick off team is a little bit behind. That was the whole purpose, though, is, hey, if you just fair catch it, you're going to get it to the 25. But, again, it's just or let it go. But he he wanted to make a play. Like, he was trying to make a play for his team. I think his, his biggest thought today was, I'm going to take it out past the 25. So every single time, no matter how deep I'm catching this, I'm taking this thing out. Yeah. Uh, All right, the Vikings win 26-20 over the Saints in overtime. They face the Niners on Saturday at 335 right here on The Fam. We'll take more of your phone calls after this at 651-989-5326 or 1-800-320-5326. We were just talking earlier uh, that uh, Jason Garrett is officially out, according to Jay Glazer of Fox, uh, as head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. And the Seahawks and Eagles right now are squaring off in Philadelphia. That game is at half. Seahawks up 10-3 on Philly. More of your phone calls after this. This is Minnesota Vikings Fan Line on KFN and the Fan Radio Network. Vikings win 26-20 over the Saints in overtime. Cousins to Rudolph for the game winner. Uh, Cousins finishes 19 of 31 for 242, a touchdown, a 96.4 passer rating. I heard Pete Burses before the game uh, predict that Dalvin was going to have a big game and break that 100-yard mark, which the Saints haven't given up in, I think, 42, now 43 games. He finished with 94. So close. So close, but he had two touchdowns. Uh, but our hardest working player of the game, thanks to Lyuna, Minnesota, and North Dakota, is Adam Thielen. We're going to give it to Thielen. Seven catches, 129 yards, and that uh, giant one late, the 43-yarder to set up yeah. the game winner. That's the one, the deep one, I think. But also the fact that a couple times on third down, he made some big catches. Yes, they were just simple out routes, but a lesser man dropped some of those balls. So 
you got to give it to him. He worked the entire game. And to come back after being out for so long where people just didn't think he had any more, showed up to the And he bounced city. back after the fumble, after right? The I mean, fumble, again, yeah. so many of these things are so different if the Vikings lose. We're, we're talking about Thielen's fumble. We're yep. talking about uh, Diggs' diva hood on the sideline, <laughs> right? The decision not to chuck it up at the end of the game to try yeah. to draw a pass interference. There's a lot of other things we could have nitpicked if they had found a way to lose. Yeah. Instead, we did. can nitpick about the win, and that's just as fun. All right, so anyway, thanks to Thielen and uh, Lyon in Minnesota in uh, North Dakota to be the uh, to make him at least the uh, hardest-working player of the game. Back to the phone lines we go. Let's try uh, David from South Dakota. Hi, David. Hi, guys. First time calling here. How's everyone doing? Doing well. Good. Question here. In overtime, I personally thought that when it was second down, we did that uh, stretch left run play. Which I thought was good because normally you would think we go to the right to our strength, but this gets us if it doesn't not successful, we're on the left hash mark, which would put um, I don't know if they were in trips right, but they had Kyle Rudolph to the left, which left it single coverage, you know, so you know that hey, possibly we could run to the right um, to our strength, but that gives us one on one with Rudy which we did, and we got the touchdown. I thought it was a great setup play for third down. What do you guys think? All right. That's a little opti- That's an optimistic way to look at if this fails, then we know which <laughs> play we're going to run on third down. But I like the optimism. I don't know if that's true or not, but. Yeah, I think every play you think is going to work. Yeah, so you, you, just, you don't Yeah, you don't run it hoping it fails just right. to set up on a left hash. Exactly. You're trying to get it to punch through. But I understand that I hope he's right that Stefanski has, has so a third down call if yeah. it gets stopped, for sure. Oh, yeah. There, you always have a third down. You have a second down. You have yeah. a first down. But, yeah, every play right. you call, you're like, this is going to score. Right. Uh, B-Town, you're on Vikings fan line. Hi. What up, guys? How you doing, man? Tonight, it was a good W, right? Oh, yeah. Yep. I'm just trying to figure out why everybody is downplaying the fact that we just went out there and got a big win and, like, contemplating other things that we should have done or went this way or went that way. This this is the biggest win in years, I feel like, except for the Minneapolis Miracle. Which was like two years I'm ago. I'm wondering why everybody's hating so much. Yo, but what do you mean hating? Dumb. We're all excited. Nobody's hating. Don't forget, don't forget this is a W, my guy. Are okay. you Are you nuts? We've been super positive. What are you talking? And then he just hung up. Oh, I love those. What is he talking about? He's the fans, I guess, so, because people are just saying what they should have done and the right, lady about so, the punts. Right. What I love and, about a guy like that know. is, so we do a two-hour post-game show that's called Minnesota Vikings Fan Line. Right. And we, we take calls. If they have positive takes, great. If they have negative takes, great. You and I bring up the woulda, coulda, shouldas. That's the whole point of this is we right. look back. What would you have done? What should you have done? What would have been different? He wants roses and, and unicorns. No, he just wants sprinkles. He just wants us to basically go, yes, for like an hour and a half. Right. Everybody's awesome, and Rudolph's sweet, and Kirk's awesome, and we're going to win. That's great, dude, if that's in your head. That's not what we do on the show. It's like analysis. If everybody calls in and screams at us that we won, I mean, kind of like the Minneapolis Miracle Night, they called in all night and talked about how they peed on themselves and right. jumped if, in the snow naked. And If you want all positivity, yeah. go on Periscope and just click that little heart button so hearts float up to the top of the screen, and we'll call it a day. Yeah, could do that. I don't know. We've been overly positive. There have been a lot of positive calls. The only negatives have been like, what if this guy did? Why did we kick this? You know, why did we keep kicking to Harris? And why did right? Like, there hasn't really been negatives. This, this is how sports talk works. People love Kirk Cousins. And by the way, not just radio sports talk. You don't think 
that across every couch in the upper Midwest, you're saying, why didn't he do this? Why didn't he do that? That's what you do when you sit around with your buddies and watch yeah. a game. Well, I wouldn't have done that. I wouldn't have done that play. Would you have run that play on second down? I don't know. I wouldn't have. That's what you do. That guy just wants to be negative. He's positively negative. Right. Or yeah. negative. Or being negative positive. about the positive. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, yeah, again, I'm surprised. I picked the Saints to win. I'm super surprised they won, and I think that's super cool. It's fun. By the way, Carson Wentz went out with a head injury. Yeah, I heard concussion. Yeah. I just saw yeah. the uh, the tweet that uh, his wife's been escorted down to the locker room. So apparently not a good situation for the uh, Eagles and Carson Wentz. Uh, right now the Seahawks lead 10-3. Uh, Carson Wentz will not return. Uh, Doug Peterson just said that at halftime he's not coming back, so it is going to be McCown the rest of the way for the Eagles, and they trail by seven. What a microcosm of their season. Right, pretty much. Yep. Uh, Tony from St. Paul, all positivity. Hi, Tony. Hi, gentlemen. Uh, Thanks for having me on. I think think the the underlying uh, pessimism really comes from, like, being a Vikings fan, just being let down in so many of these great moments, right? Minneapolis Miracle, and then they show up in Philadelphia and don't show up at all. And I think... Um, it was interesting that Zimmer talked about letting Stefanski and Kubiak throw everything out there that first drive in overtime because I think we all want them to kind of coach for the kill or uh, coach to win the game rather than to not lose it. And so the dump and punt and the playing it safe is really what has created this pessimism for Vikings fans, especially myself. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for the call. And, again, that's how I feel if I'm a Saints fan right now, too. I hate the way the Saints ended the game. I hate it, hate it, hate it. If I'm a Saints fan, I'm I'm, I'm furious that they didn't try to score a touchdown right. to end that game. I'm just glad the Vikings ended it with one drive. Like, right, don't give the ball the, back yeah, to Drew Brees. You don't He's, want to kick a field goal there and then let Drew Brees possibly win this game. And we've talked about it for an hour and a half, right? The game plan from the Vikings, uh, the defensive performance. They, Drew Brees didn't do a lot against the Vikings today. No. But he's still no, no. Drew Brees. He's still the all-time NFL leader in touchdown passes. You don't want to give Drew Brees the ball back at home in the postseason to come back and, and snipe you. If you find a way to get that incomplete on third down and you settle for a Dan Bailey field goal, again, speaking of skepticism or pessimism, you think that three-point lead is going to hold or do you think the Saints are going to go down? Now knowing you have four plays, right, you have all four downs to work with because you right. there's no punting if you're down three in overtime. They're going to march down and punch it in. So fourth down, Rudy doesn't catch that. Do you kick the field goal or do you try to punch it in? I, I think Zimmer kicks the field goal. I think so? I'm what would nine, you do? Uh, I probably go for it. Well, fourth down. Yeah, because, because either way then you're going to make Drew Brees march 60 to 70 to 80 yards to be in a solid field goal or try to uh, end the game anyway on a touchdown. Maybe not right. 80. Well, yeah, I mean, if he misses the touchdown, I mean, if you don't get the touchdown, he has to go 99 yards because at that point they were at the one right. or whatever, but, two. But if you, so. go, if you go for it and get stuffed, then they only need a three to win. True. But I still I think I'd go for it there mm. and just try to end it. I, I like, I like it's, it's, it's exactly what the Texans did yesterday on that fourth and one. Right from the thirty, they realize oh, if we yeah. just get the first down, the game's, game's over. over. Yeah, if we kick a field goal and go up six, then we give the ball back to the Bills, and that that then it's not over. I like when coaches just say, "Let's end it now." If we this. don't, if we if we fail, we still have a lot of opportunity to find a way to win. But if we can just end it right here, you know, our, the whole cliche about our destinies in our own hands or fates in our own hands. I right. like that. Just go for it. But uh, it didn't matter because they completed it to Rudy anyway on third down. All right. One final segment of Vikings fan line after this. Then we uh, lead you up to the wild pregame at 545.
Again, the Vikings win 26-20 in overtime over the New Orleans Saints. They face the Niners on Saturday at 3.35 in San Francisco. That's Ron Johnson. I'm Corey Cove, and this is Minnesota Vikings Fan Line on KFN and the Fan Radio Network. When did you think we'd ever say, thank heavens, Drew Brees is back in? He's back to pass. Fumble! Drew dropped it! Get it, Vikings! Come on! It's a fumble, and... Yes! Yes, we got that ball! 418 to go in the game, and as I said into the play... Who thought somebody would ever say, thank heavens Drew Brees is back in the game, and it was a forced fumble, which I believe was recovered by Jalen Holmes. Drew pumped, and Daniil Hunter caused the fumble, and the Vikings have turned over the Saints. And we're going to make that play Randy's electric spark of the game. Sure, the Saints found a way to come back and tie it and force overtime, but the Vikings won anyway, and that was a huge play. It looked like that was going to be the clincher for a second for the Vikes. Uh, at the time, it was a spark thanks to Randy's electric, but uh, not quite. But still, awesome play by Daniil. Nice fumble recovery by Jalen Holmes, and the uh, the Vikings were in business. Yeah, I think it speaks to the plus 15 turnover ratio for the fact that they stayed neck and neck with them, and that was two big ones a la Breeze. One interception, and then also the strip sack by Daniil. So, yeah, it was a good day for him. Hey, the other thing that we were going to look at, in fact, let's take a closer look at it, presented by Advanced Imaging. How about just four penalties for 26 yards for the Vikings? That's a a good number of penalties for a four-quarter game, more than four-quarter game, and only 26 yards in penalties is outstanding. Yeah, the yardage is huge. I mean, anytime you're not giving up, you know, a bevy of first downs via via uh, via uh, mm-hmm. penalty, it's got to work in your favor. And so the Vikings definitely benefit. I think everybody coming in this game assumed that every time they touched Drew Brees or every time Michael Thomas got grabbed, or every time Xavier Rhodes held him up, it's going to be a pass interference. The refs, for the most part, let both teams play today. Uh, all right, so as we wrap up uh, Vikings fan line here, because we got about five, six minutes left, let's look ahead. 3.35 on Saturday, the Vikings square off against the Niners in the divisional round of the NFC postseason. Yep. Uh, how can we see what we saw today in New Orleans and find a way to transition it to San Francisco for another victory? Well, the biggest thing that I think I talked about this was the uh, the run game as a whole. And when you look at rankings-wise, so if they run to the right, it's even better than I thought. Running to the right, they're ranked third in the NFL. They're averaging almost six yards, five point whatever a carry. Mm-hmm. When running left, they're 18th. So clearly, when you run, and it's off tackle because off the ends, they're pretty good either way. Whether they run off the left tackle, they're third, or sorry, uh, left tight end, they're third, and off the right tight end, they're fifth, meaning it's both, it's Rudy both times anyway. Rudy's the guy moving both sides. So Rudy's a big key to this, and Stefanski talked about that too. Rudy wasn't a great power blocker, but he's a great zone blocker. He can move with guys. He can run and leverage guys. He can use his feet. So clearly, Rudy and O'Neal on that right side with Joey Bosa, that's how they're going to have to attack. You don't want to run away from Joey Bosa. You can't be scared of where Joey Bosa's lined up. Nick? Nick Bosa, sorry. Nick Bosa. Wherever Bosa's lined up, don't fear it. Just run at him, do what you do, because if Brian O'Neill can make him run the loop, Dalvin Cook goes underneath him. If Brian O'Neill can make him try to come underneath and set the edge shorter than normal, Dalvin Cook can stretch it, as we see. Dalvin Cook always gets to that sideline, tiptoes it, and then hits like he's shot out of a cannon and gets up the sideline. So Bosa can't choose right. Like, there's no way to choose right on this. You, you Basically, he's reading you. You go out, I'm going in, you go in, and you go out. So... They have to be very decisive in the run game versus the 49ers. The other part of it, too, Kirk Cousins' internal clock. He had one issue this game, and he held the ball for 4.2 seconds and then got sacked. 
Once you hear that two and a half mark three and there's nothing there, one one thousand, two one thousand. We did this as kids. Three one thousand, go. He's got to do that too. He's got to get that clock going again. And he got it going as the game went on, but he cannot sit in that pocket hoping that something's gonna happen. Once that one three one thousand, start moving around. Get away from where the normal uh, uh, the original rush was because those guys are hoping you're still there. Once you move, it changes the the trajectory and the pocket angle they have to take. So that's the way you beat the 49ers. Other than that, offensively, they're not super scary besides George Kittle. And I think that becomes a J. Ron Kurz, Harrison Smith bit. Like you gotta you gotta put J. Ron on them, jam them up, and put Harrison or Anthony Harris over the top. Because Kittle, they do everything with him. They're gonna put them in the slot, they're gonna put them out wide. I don't trust a linebacker to, to guard him the entire game. Now, if he's off one by one, yeah, you can put you can put a if he's like a, connected to the line, I wouldn't mind Kendrick Shabar. But if he's out wide at receiver, I think you got to put a safety out there. You can't you can't just try to tell your linebacker to go out wide because he runs real receiver routes. He's gonna run hitches and goes. He's gonna run slant and goes. He runs real deep over routes. Just like the Rams did to the Vikings, you don't want to get put in a foot race with your linebacker and their best tight end or their best player. So I think that's the key. You take him out and you make Garoppolo uncomfortable, you win this game. So that's the number one key? Because I was going to ask you almost the exact same thing. Like, if the outside of just scoring more points, if, give me the one key to making sure that the Vikings win next Saturday. You would say containing Kittle? Kittle. Yeah, Kittle's their guy. When What's they, the second one, then? When they don't have anything going, well, the second one, of course, is their run game. Their run game is it's a it's a... It's a running back by committee. So it could be Mostart. It could be Coleman. Whoever's going, they let that guy go. So with their run game, you got to do what you did today, which you saw Harrison Smith up in the hole. You saw Anthony Harris stick his head in there. You saw Trey Waynes and Xavier Rose. Xavier Rose almost, like, killed himself making tackles today. But that's what Zimmer wants you to do in the run game. you got to hit people, too. So they got to they gotta all, when you see it, fire. As soon as you see Mostart has the ball and you see him crossing that line, you got to attack. So they got to fill all the gaps. Everybody's got to be on board. I don't know if the 4DM bit really matters for this game or it's going to work even because what of what they do with the run game and the draw. They run draw a lot where if they see you doing that and you're rushing wide lanes, they're going to run a draw up the middle. So you got to be able to just play this game a little bit normal. I wouldn't mind putting Everson in there and putting Bar DN once or twice, but I wouldn't, you know, utilize that the entire game. Um, the one piece, though, Fido Denable can play the three technique because he's done it all season. So I don't mind him at three. I just don't think you do that with those four DNs the entire game. Um, but yeah, I think right. that's the second key. Is stop. You got to stop. You got to hit them early in the run game and force Garoppolo into a third and long. Uh, it looks like DK Metcalf just scored a super long touchdown for the Seattle Seahawks. So it looks like they're uh, going to extend their lead even more in and Philadelphia. He's strong. He's strong. Uh, they're going to review that, but no, there it goes. Yep, it definitely is going to count. All right, so the Seahawks are about to go up 17-6 to over Philadelphia. You can listen to that game on KFAN Plus. Otherwise, here on The Fan, next is the Minnesota Wild. Uh, you can hear the Power Trip Morning Show, 5.30 to 9 tomorrow. We'll be all over this Vikings game with Ben Lieber. And, of course, myself, Hawk, and Sauce. Uh, and then, of course, on Saturday, 3.35, the Vikings will be at the San Francisco 49ers in the divisional round of the NFC postseason. Thanks to Brandon Molesky. Thanks to Max. Thanks to Ron. I'm Corey. This has been Minnesota Vikings Fan Line on KFN and the Fan Radio Network.